Busy Birds. Welcome to another episode of Mama Earth Talk. I'm your host, Maris Ganal. Realizing just how much waste we generate on a daily basis, I've set a personal goal not only to reduce, reuse, and recycle, but to also educate the world about sustainability and how each of us can help preserve our beautiful planet. Thanks for listening. Let's dig in. Did you know that about a third of the world's food that's produced never get consumed? Our guest today is an activist and humanitarian dedicated to leading the way to a more sustainable world. He's the author of Dude Making a Difference and the creator of the Food Waste Fiasco. He's been named the Robin Hood of Modern Times by France 2 TV and the Forrest Gump by Ecology. He has been taking on many challenges over the years, like cycling around the US on a bamboo bicycle, wearing his trash for 30 days in New York, and growing and foraging all of his own food for a year, and is currently traveling the world with all of his possessions that fits in a backpack. Crazy birds, without any further ado, I would like to welcome Rob Greenfield. Thanks, Mariska. Nice to be on. <laughs> You're most welcome. So, Rob, how did your sustainable journey actually start? I guess it would have, I would say that it started in 2011, about nine years ago. And at the time, I was living a pretty typical American lifestyle in many ways. I was very focused on money. You know, I wanted to be a millionaire by the time I was 30. I was focused on material possessions and, you know, just largely what I considered pursuing the American dream. And then I started to get exposed to a different way of thinking. I started to watch some documentaries and watch books and just realized that my life was actually causing a huge amount of destruction to the world, to other species, to other people. And I just realized that my life wasn't what I thought it was at all. And that made me want to change my life so that basically I could feel good about my life and, and my actions and how they affected the world. Wow, what a journey. I mean, it's almost now nine years and you've made such an impact. I mean, you've had a real impact on what I do and I'm sure many of our crazy birds as well. One of the things that I really applaud you is also the decision that you've made to voluntarily earn no more than the federal poverty threshold every single year. If I have it correct in the US, that's around $12,000 just below that. Why was that really important for you to like just stay below that? Well, there's many aspects to it, but one of them is that, you know, we live in a time of great inequality where a small percentage of the population has so much resources and has just way, way, way more than they need, while a huge percentage of the population doesn't even have their basic needs met. And so to me, I don't want to be a part of that wealth inequality. I, I've been striving to live a more, you know, not just a more sustainable life, but a more just and a more equal life. So by committing to this, it kind of, it, it forces me to live out my beliefs and to figure out solutions on how I can live with less money. And the thing about living with less money is that 
in many ways, it allows me to live more sustainably because I have to figure out how to be resourceful, how to repurpose things, figure out how to work with my resources rather than just being able to go out and buy and consume. And then one other important aspect is by living what's considered the federal poverty threshold, I don't pay federal taxes, which means, I mean, in the United States, as much as half of our taxes go to war the military industrial complex, the prison industrial complex. And I don't want to support these things. I want, I want to support, you know, trying to make the world a better place, not destroying. And so that's another part of it. There's, you know, there's a lot of elements to it, but those are, you know, some of the important ones. That's something that people don't often realize that, you know, every single dollar that you spend, whether it is going to tax or whether it's your banking fees or whether it is actually an investment that you have, you know, that all of that money is supporting something. And if that's not supporting what you're standing for, then why are you doing it? Why why does it help that you earn all of this money if it's not going to the right place that you stand for? So I really applaud you for that. I wish that many more people could do that and yeah, just find finding the right solutions. So you do also donate a lot of the speaking earnings that you've made to specifically indigenous and women-led grassroots for 2020, what made you decide on these organizations? I guess about five years ago is when I decided that I was going to donate 100% of my media income to environmental nonprofits. And basically the idea of this is it's kind of like a self-tax. So just because I'm deciding not to pay federal taxes doesn't mean in any way, shape, or form that I don't want to contribute towards a better world. It's the opposite of that. I want my money to really contribute toward a more sustainable, just, and equitable world. So what I've decided to do is put those funds into organizations that really are working for the greater good of humanity, not a select few, and who are underfunded, where the money that I'm able to send their way is really meaningful. $1,000 in federal taxes is very little, but if I can send that $1,000 to a grassroots nonprofit, that can be really deeply meaningful. For example, my talk that I did in Costa Rica, the money from that went to this young girl, she's 13 years old, named Alicia Serratos, and she's putting together seed libraries at 50 or 100 schools across the United States so that people have access to seeds. And I donated uh, well, $1,300 was donated to her on behalf of my speaking honorarium. And that means putting those seed banks into a lot of schools and having seeds freely available for a lot of people. And the reason that I'm choosing indigenous and women-led environmental nonprofits in particular is because I think that this is one of the best ways to stand up to the system, the system that's mostly white and male-led. If we can put more hands into the power of the indigenous people and the women, this makes the voice more equitable and gives a voice to people who often don't have a place at the table. So to me, it just, it seems like the right thing to do. And it just makes sense as far as really trying to create a, a ripple within this system. Definitely. And there's some great organizations among those lists. And I'm definitely going to link all of those up from your website in the show notes. So Crazy Birds, do go and check them out. And if you can support any of them, give it a go. And 
One of the other things, Rob, was one of your current videos that was, or YouTube videos, about your 44 items that you are currently having in your backpack and traveling with. I wanted to know what was some of those key items in there that you just feel like absolutely you cannot go without that particular item? Or is it all 44? <laughs> yeah. So, and I think right now I have maybe about 48 or 50, uh, around 50 right now, because when I filmed that video, I was in Costa Rica where it was 30 degrees Celsius every day. And now I'm over in Europe. So I got a pair of pants. I got another sweater, another pair of socks. So I have more items. But as far as some of the most important, it's basically, you know, the basics of life. So for me, toothbrush and toothpaste, like <laughs> absolutely have to have to have that. That's two possessions right there. Some clothes, you know, basic, some basic clothing for me. I love my wool sweater that I got for $12 at the thrift store. My focus is wearing natural fibers rather than plastic clothes. And so I just, I'm wearing it right now. I've worn it almost every day since I got it four months ago. And I love this thing. So while well, my computer for me is, is something that I would love to live without, but my computer is something that I use as a tool for positive change and communication. So those are a couple of things, other natural hygiene items like some essential oil. Yeah. I mean, probably just now I already named off a quarter of everything I own. So that's probably <laughs> enough. <laughs> well, it's really amazing to actually see that with just that little, you know, that one is fully capable of living a normal and happy life. When we look at some of like mainstream people and, you know, you have to have so many stuff and the more stuff you have, you know, the, the more like wealthier you think you are. Sometimes I get that feeling. And I have to say in the last year, we've been minimizing everything in our house and everything in our lives just to reduce the options. You know, instead of having five different mugs, I have one mug it kind of simplifies my life and it makes me so much more happier. And I, I can't wait to get rid of even more stuff. I might give you a go on that 44 items one day. One, one thing I want to say is that the reason I'm able to live with only for 44 items is because my life is designed around community. So my belief is that today in 2020, we don't all need to own one of everything. And instead we can work together to, to sh basically to share our resources. And this drastically cuts back on our environmental impact. It drastically cuts back on our loneliness because when we actually need each other, we're more likely to take care of each other. When we actually depend upon each other, then we figure out ways to make sure that we are lifting others up rather than bringing them down because we depend on them to be successful, to be happy and to be healthy. So I just want to acknowledge that it's all about community. This isn't about some sort of radical independence and saying that I don't need anyone else and that I'm mm. a self-made person. It's the opposite. It's saying that I am I am a part of this humanity and I need other people to, to exist. And that money creates an illusion of independence. But the fact is, is that we all depend upon each other. Definitely couldn't agree with you more on that one. And Rob, the last year, you actually were growing and foraging all of your food for the entire year. 
you went all out. I've heard stories about you accidentally taking some salt from a friend and mentioned it because that's how strict you were on this growing and foraging all your own food. What was some of the biggest challenges that you've had during that year? So that was a beautiful year. And yeah, to clarify, yeah, the idea was one year without grocery stores or restaurants, nothing packaged or processed, nothing shipped long distances. And that includes no gifts from friends, you know, giving it to me or eating from their pantry or even eating from their garden. So the difficult part was that I had to learn everything, how to make salt and oil, how to get my calories, my nutrients, my protein, my fat. So there was learning it, but then there's doing it. And the doing it part was a lot of work. The difficult part was just, it was the average week, I probably spent 20 to 80 hours between gardening, foraging, cooking, preserving, cleaning. It was, you know, very time intensive. The other aspect was that was really challenging was the social aspect. I was the only person doing exactly what I was doing, which meant I was socially isolated from eating dinner with my friends or going to potlucks or restaurants. I could still go to a potluck, but I brought my own food and couldn't eat all the other dishes. So, you know, in some ways it was socially isolating. And I remember being up at two in the morning, drying my mangoes and wishing <laughs> that I could just be hanging out with my friends. But instead I had all these, you know, this food to process or risk it going bad. And just when we look at, because um, what you basically did for Crazy Birds, if you have not seen some of Rob's videos on this exact year of him growing and foraging, I highly recommend you go and check it out. But you basically took a grass lawn, kind of converted it to this beautiful garden that you lived up. And if we just look at grass, it is one of the biggest irrigated crop in the US. It's costing about 30 billion dollars just to take care of this lawns every year, but yet it doesn't produce any food. What advice would you give our crazy birds if they want to convert their current lawn into something that can provide food for themselves as well as their communities? The first step is to get over the idea of having a lawn. And, you know, some people are extreme and they say that lawns provide no benefit. But I disagree. I mean, lawns can be a really nice place to play in. They're great for kids to play in. I like to lay in the grass. And there's also this beauty of just wide open spaces. Like I have an attraction to that. So I understand where people are coming from. But instead of just a lawn, you could also have a garden that is producing a huge quantity of food. That means you don't have to spend money at the grocery store that you can actually be adding to quality of life. You can create a space where critters and other species can live in harmony rather than creating a monocrop where nothing else can live. And you can be eating delicious food, right? You know, right at home, that's some of the most nutritious and delicious food that you'll eat. So, you know, those are some of the reasons why. And as far as how to do it, I actually recently released a video on my YouTube channel that is how to turn your front yard into a garden. It's about 12 minutes. And really, that's a great guide. I would say kind of just watch that because that sums it up better than I can explain how to do it. Awesome. We'll be definitely linking that video in the show notes as well. And so other than doing this farming and foraging and your gardening, you are also known in New York as the trash man. 
and you wore the trash of the average American for 30 days. And you even inspired me to do that in the UAE. How did people react towards seeing you in the streets of New York? And what was some of the changes that people wanted to make after seeing you and hearing the reason behind the trash suit? Yeah, that was four years ago. That was a really... Uh, I look back at that experience and just think uh, how wonderful it was. You know, for one month, I lived like the average American. I ate, shopped, and consumed like the average American. But I had to wear every piece of trash that I created in this specially designed trash suit. And it was really challenging for the first few days because I just had a few pieces of trash on me. So it was very, like, you know, confusing. What are you doing? After about a week is when it got good because now I was a walking pile of garbage. By by after a week, I was already wearing, you know, 10 kilos, 20 pounds of trash. And about a week and a half in, that's when I was on the cover of, you know, a lot of the local newspapers and all the local news stations. And so by then, that's when, you know, people all over New York were recognizing me as the trash man. And it got really great because what would happen is people would see what I was doing And without me even saying anything, they would see that I was a reflection of them, that all I was was a visual of how much garbage they were creating. And so I saw that I got people's wheels turning inside their heads about, you know, how they could not be the trash man themselves (laughs) and drastically reduce their trash. And I got incredibly so much positive feedback of people telling me about the, you know, the ways that they decided they were going to create less garbage what they started to do. Oh, that's amazing. And your trash suit is now on display as well, right? Yeah. So the designer, her name's Nancy Judd and Recycle Runway is her website, recycleRunway.com, I believe. So the suit is hers and she's doing a display at the uh, Atlanta International Airport. So for all of this year, it's set up there along with some of our other her other work, which is all designed. It's all sort of like fashion that's made out of trash to get people to think about important issues. And so if anyone listening happens to be at the Atlanta International Airport in the next year, they can, they can go see it. Sounds great. I actually went to Comic-Con with my suit and that was probably the weirdest place that I was with the suit. Did you find any of the most strangest places that you wore the suit to that you were just like, I can never imagine I'm actually standing here with a trash suit? No weird places because my goal was that, you know, I was just trying to live like the average American. So I just went to the grocery store and I went out, you know, to eat. I went to fast food restaurants. Um, You know, I rode the subway most days. The challenging part, though, was it didn't take too long before I was not able to fit into a car anymore and did try to go to the movies. There was a movie I wanted to see, but they they wouldn't let me in to the movies. So over time, there were definitely places that not, that stopped letting me in once I was you know, covered in garbage. Oh, wow. Well, hopefully the next year and the next project is not going to be as trashy. (laughs) And what is some of the current projects that you are working on at the moment? You know, as you know, you've been helping me with my World Solutions Tour, which has been great to have your help and to be working together for the last, what, I guess it's been six months now, I think. Yeah, just over six months. Our current situation has resulted in most of my World Solutions Tour being canceled. And so for me, it's about how can I, how can I make do with the situation that I have and and, uh, turn it into something positive 
And so that's what I'm, you know, currently working on is deciding how I'm going to change my plan because basically my, you know, my plans for 2020 were drastically changed. But I have to say that this experience with coronavirus actually has really just motivated me and wanted me to get back to the land sooner. I I just finished my year of growing and foraging all my food about four months ago. And my plan was to travel for a few years, but I'm quickly feeling like I'm wanting to get back to the land much sooner. And so one of my next projects is I'm going to do the year of growing and foraging all my food again, but this time it's going to be in a cold climate. And I'm thinking upstate New York. Yeah. I'll be looking for places. This time I'm going to do it rather than in the city. I'm going to do it in a more rural area in a somewhat established place. And I'm planning to do it in a place where people can come and stay for days or weeks and learn and immerse in it and get involved. So that's something that I'm pretty excited about. Wow, that sounds super exciting. I can't actually wait to see what you do in a cold climate. I mean, your garden that you had in a warmer climate was fantastic. So yeah, Crazy Birds, do keep on the lookout for that one. And Rob, what would you say, I know your days probably vary from day to day, but if you would like sum up, what would a typical day in the life of Rob Greenfield look like? Ooh, well, a typical life in day in the life of Rob Greenfield is highly varied. You know, my life is drastically changing. Three summers, I was biking across the United States. You know, for a month, I was wearing my garbage. I lived in the tiny house in, in Florida where I was growing and foraging all my food for a year. Now I'm traveling. Sometimes I'm staying in a new place almost every night, staying with a family or a host as I'm traveling and speaking. And then other times I'm in the woods alone. So the thing that's consistent of my life is that it's different all the time. Sounds really, really exciting. And so many awesome, awesome stuff that actually happens in your life and just the community. I have to say, I've been following you for quite a few years now, and you've inspired a lot of the stuff that I do. But one of the things that is so for me that I notice in what you do. And that is the heart of what you say, why you only have 44 positions. And that's the community. You know, you are always involved with the community and the community would go way out to accommodate you and to assist you. And I just absolutely love that because that is something that I don't see that very often. And I wish that more of us could build closer communities. And, you know, how many of us actually know our next door neighbor? So that really inspires me. And it has inspired me to make that bold and decisions to actually knock up on the neighbor's door and say, hi, you know, I'm Mariska, I live next door to you and things like that. And I think, you know, it's just little steps that we can actually have a little community around ourselves, but it just starts by a step forward as well. Absolutely. So Rob, you are currently working on your book as well for the food freedom, I believe. How's that going? When can we have a book? And yeah. then another book because you've already written Dude Making a Difference, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm writing actually three books right now. Two wow. are children's books that will be out at the end of this year and the beginning of next year. And then one of them is my year of growing and foraging all my food, which will also be out about December of this year. 
that you can actually pre-order now or sign up for. You'll get 20% off. 100% of the proceeds, my proceeds are donated to nonprofits that are working to create a more sustainable and just food system. And that is at robgreenfield.org slash foodfreedombook. Um, people can learn more about that book and uh, sign up to get a notification for when it comes out. Awesome. And for all of our French listeners as well, you've actually been able to translate your first book as well so they can read that in French. Yeah, my first book is being translated into French and will be out in May. You could link to that. I don't I don't have the, the link of that memorized, so you could link to that for people. And so, Rob, what has been one of your most important decisions that you have made around Mama Earth? Important decisions? It would really just be a little bit of everything. I, I don't think of it. I don't think of I don't really isolate like one thing from another, because for me, the reality is, is that one thing on its own, you know, if you're looking at the bigger picture, isn't really enough. For me, it's really about looking at the bigger picture, seeing that things aren't black and white and just focusing on generally trying to live a life that is improving the world around me and not destroying the world around me, I would say. So Rob, we are going to move into our final five. So the first one is what is one social media account or publication that you follow? Hmm. Oh, humans who grow food. I love it. Facebook and Instagram, and they are the greatest inspiration to get your garden started. We'll definitely check that one out. And what is your hope for Mama Earth going forward? I don't have a particular hope, to be honest. I mean, in the ideal world, we would we would live in a place where 30,000 species aren't going extinct per year because of our, you know, the way that we treat the earth. And we would have a world of equality and justice. But uh, those are all also human constructs as well. And so honestly, I don't really have a particular hope for the world. I'm just doing I'm just doing what I can to live a good life and uh, inspire and, and help others to do so as well. And what advice can you give our crazy birds this week to help out Mama Earth? Hmm. Well, let's see. Some things would be you know, I like to focus on things that don't just help Mama Earth, as you say, but also increase quality of life and make it more enjoyable. So some things would be using your own human power to get yourself around, whether it's riding a bicycle or walking versus using a car. Another one is eating healthier. For me, that generally means whole foods rather than processed foods, unpackaged foods that don't leave trash behind rather than packaged processed foods. And let's go with more moving your body and drinking lots of fresh water. Some thoughts for the day. <laughs> awesome. And what is one sustainability fact that you like to use in a room with people not yet on a sustainable journey? <laughs> well, I don't know if this applies perfectly, but one thing comes to mind is that people think that our systems of dealing with our poop and pee just work flawlessly and we don't have any problems and what I one of the you know interesting numbers I like to sh share is I was reading a newspaper and in the newspaper it was the headline I was in Florida it said 3 million gallons of raw sewage spilled into the river which is our poop and pee and whatever's going down our toilets and sinks and I thought wow that's you know a lot and then underneath it it said I think it said third or fourth largest spill in two years. 
So this is just a you know interesting perspective to think about how our systems are not perfectly what we think they are. And usually I talk about this when I'm talking about the benefits of a compost toilet. Well, I, I definitely want to still try out the composting toilet once we have our tiny house. So that's something to think about for everyone. And Rob, where can people actually find you? Right now I use Instagram and YouTube probably the most. On Instagram, it's at Rob J. Greenfield. YouTube is just youtube.com slash Rob Greenfield. And then Facebook as well. And then my website's just robgreenfield.org. Awesome. And I'll be definitely linking up those for you crazy birds as well to actually see. And um, yeah, that that's it. Thank you so much, Rob, for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And I always learn a lot from you and I'm sure our crazy birds will too. Good. Well, I'm glad to share and glad to be able to spread some education and some inspiration and appreciate all that you're doing to, to do the same as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, Rob. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. You can find the show notes for this episode at mamaearthtalk.com. Follow at Design by Mariska on Instagram or email hello at mamaearthtalk.com. And let me know if there's a topic you'd like me to talk about. I love hearing from all you crazy birds. New episodes are uploaded every Monday. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss anything. Mama Earth has a voice and it's us crazy birds.